Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. What's up, Creekwood? We got to do better than that. What's up, Creekwood? It's so good to see all of you, all of you that are in the patio out in the back and also those that are online. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, turn with me to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. We're in the middle, like uh, Charlie just said, in the middle of the series on the book of Joshua. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the importance of seeking God in our decision making. All right, so what does it look like to include God in our decision making? Um, so by show of hands... How many of you know how important it is to include God in the decision-making process in your life? Okay, yeah, 100% of the people. Yeah, I mean, that is so important. But by a show of hands, how many of you regret a decision that you made because you did not include God in the decision-making process? Okay, 100%. You're going to make me feel a lot better about the story I'm about to tell you right now. Because when I was 13 years old and my brother was 16 years old, we were living in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he just got his driver's license. And we were so excited because my mom and dad, they decided to go out with their friends that night, which means they left us by ourselves. And he just got his license. And I was like, Brent, let's go. Let's go. And so Brent, they left his keys on the table and they should not have done that. Okay. So we, we get outside, we lift up the garage door because his car was in the garage and they were smart enough to park our friend's car right behind my my brother's car. And Brent, my brother goes, Brad, man, this is a bummer. I'm not going to be able to, to maneuver and back up the car behind, you know, outside of there, around their car. And I said, Brent, I'm 13 years old and don't know how to drive and I can do that. And so I said, give me the keys. And so he handed me the keys. He gets behind the car to help me maneuver it. I put the, my foot on the brake, I start the car, and I put my hand, you know, on, the, on the, the next seat over, and I'm like, yeah, what's up? Okay, we're about to turn back here, and I'm going to maneuver it. I accidentally put it in drive and not in reverse, and I gassed it. And I took that little car straight into the freezer, which went straight into the laundry room of the house. All right, so I'm just telling you. How many of you have decisions that you regret and you did not seek and inquire of the Lord? All right, so this, I did not inquire of God in that situation. And, and that's kind of what happened to the Israelites in Joshua chapter 9. And so kind of let me set this up. As you know, we've been walking through Joshua, and uh, the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan River. We walked through that. They had to cross over, and then they had to defeat their first city of Jericho, and they had to go through that. And then we talked about how they were trying to defeat the city of Ai, and they couldn't because one man withheld the devoted things from God. And we could talk about that. We, Pastor Stephen spoke about that last week. And so they finally, when they took care of the devoted things, and they gave to God what's first to him, then they were able, able to easily defeat uh, the city of Ai, and that's where we get into chapter 9. And most people 
do not talk about chapter 9. Like, it's just not something that's preached on very often. But I'm telling you, God wanted, God wanted the Israelites and he wanted you. By the way, when we talk about the promised land and you walking through the promised land of your life, this is not just a little Bible story. God has a promised land for you. God has a purpose for you. And so in, in a lot of ways, yes, that was a real story. Yes, they had to cross the Jordan River. Yes, they walked around the city of Jericho and the seven times and the walls fell. And yes, it was a real miracle. But it's also a metaphor for your life. God is needing you to cross over something. God is needing you to listen to him. How are we going to defeat a Jericho in our life? Maybe it's not through a battle. Maybe it's because you need to listen and obey what God is having you do in your life. And so what he gives us in chapter nine is he says, it's so important to include me, God, in the decision-making process of your life. And so in Joshua chapter nine, verse 14, this is like the key scripture. It says the Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. This is the one time they did not inquire of the Lord and they get in trouble for it. And so I'm going to read this story, but I want to set up the story by that when you hear me talk about and read about the Gibeonites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, I'm telling you they are bold-faced, lying, lying through their teeth, okay? Because they say they live from a far country, and they actually live literally, if you look up where Ai is, the city of Ai, and you look up, up, look, look up where Gibeon is, it's less than 10 miles away. All right, so now... With that known, let me read Joshua chapter 9, verses 1. It says, As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland and all along the coast of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Cellulites, okay? And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to list all the enemies, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Heard of this? Someone said preach. Okay. They gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. See, they, they were trying, they were like, we got to defeat these guys. They're coming into our land. They just knocked out Jericho and then AI. They're about to knock out us. So we're going to gather together. That's what they, they just, what they just, just said. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, there's the liars, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to AI, they on their part acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took out worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins and worn out and torn and mended and worn out patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him, to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country. You're lying. Okay, you have not come from a distant country. So now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you live among us. Then how can we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you? And where do you come from? They said to him, from a very distant country, your servants have come. You are lying. You are literally six miles away. You're our neighbor. Because the name of the Lord your God, verse 9. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country, you act like you're so far away. You're lying. Take provisions, in your, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. Here's our bread. 
It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food from the journey on the day we set out to come to you. But now behold, it is dry and crumbly. These wineskins were new when we filled them and behold, they, are, they have burst. And these garments and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. Can we say liar on the count of three? One, two, three. They're lying. They're not from a far distant country. And here's where we get to verse 14. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. And then verse 15, and Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. And at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors and that they lived among them. The truth comes out. And I'm telling you, the reason this is a problem is because if you can read about this, but when, they, when God tells the Israelites and Joshua that you are gonna go into the promised land, he said you have to get rid of every people group. You're going to get rid of all the cities because, and people, I'm not gonna go into this, but the reason is, is because these, these cities, these people, they had other gods they were worshiping. And they, God knew that if they mingled the people together, these other gods, these other religions would get into the Israelites. And he did not want that. He wanted them to be pure. And so he had told them very clearly, you are, good to, you are to get rid of all of these nations. But they just made a peace treaty with one of them. And this is a problem. And I'm not gonna go into all the rest of it, but I'm gonna tell you this. Go do a study on the Gibeonites. And you will find that the Israelites, because they made a peace treaty with them, because they were lied to and made a peace treaty when they should have gotten rid of them, the, the Gibeonites tainted and haunted the Israelites literally for 400 years. Go do a study on it. The, the, Saul tried to kill the Gibeonites, and because of that, David had to, had to do a peace treaty with them because there was a famine in the land. And when David said uh, to God, why is there a famine? God said, it's because Saul tried to kill the Gibeonites, and, and you're going to have to do a peace treaty. Long story, so just do, do a study, and you'll find there's all these ramifications because of a decision that happened right here against the Gibeonites and this peace treaty that was made. And I tell you that to say, your decisions today affect your future. Your decisions that you're making today will affect your future. This is what's interesting about decisions is who you are today, you are the result of the decisions that you've made and who you're gonna be in the future is the result of the decisions that you're going to make. And so our decisions matter and God is clearly going out of his way in chapter nine See, everyone wants to skip over chapter 9 and go straight to chapter 10 in Joshua. Because some of the early scriptures, it's like, we get to go through Jericho. This is going to be so cool. We get to walk around the, the, the wall seven times. It's going to be so awesome. Chapter 10 is amazing because it talks about how, how uh, Joshua asked God to make the sun stand still, and God honors it. And it was the only time ever where the sun stood still. And I was like, I just want to preach on chapter 10. And God's like, no, don't forget chapter 9. Because this is the chapter, this is the chapter in your life. Hey, this is what he's saying. Include me in the decision-making process of your life and things will go well for you. And, and so some of you are making significant decisions right now. Some of you are making a decision whether you should keep this job or maybe you should take this job. 
Some of you are trying to figure out if you should get rid of that man or you should keep that man, give him another chance. And some of you are making decisions. Some of you are like my 17-year-old son who is about to, he's a senior in high school, y'all. Y'all did not hear me. He is a senior in high school. He was baby Braden when we started. And, and I'm telling you, he's trying to make a decision right now on what college he's going to go to. Did y'all hear that? Braden, this is God. You're supposed to go to Texas A&M University. Okay. Did y'all just hear that? That was the audible voice of God. I had never heard that before. No, okay, it wasn't. It was not the audible voice of God. But, but that we're all making decisions, right? And he wants you to include him in the process. And so I want to give you three ways that we are to bring God into the decision-making process of your life. Because we're all going through daily decisions, literally. First thing you need to learn how to do is ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. This is where the Israelites failed. It said they did not inquire of the Lord. God goes out of his way to say, had they inquired of me, they wouldn't have made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. But because they didn't, they now had to deal with 400 years of problems. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He makes it very clear. The one prayer God will always answer is if you ask for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. When Solomon was anointed to be the king, traditionally a king would, would sacrifice one bull. But when Solomon became the king, he was so in love with God, he went extravagant on his sacrifice. He sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. God was so impressed with that generosity that God said in a dream, and you can go read the story of Solomon, he said, I'll give you anything you want. All you have to do is ask me. And Solomon did not ask for fame, fortune, money, power. Solomon asked for one thing. He said, you've made me the king over so many people. I want wisdom to be able to make good decisions. God was so impressed with that answer that he said, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you the other things that you could have asked for. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to give you money. And so there was never a man like it, the Bible says, in all his wisdom and all his fame and all his money. And I believe that's why Proverbs 4, 7, Solomon said, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. You need to learn how to ask God for wisdom. And I'm going to say something that's going to maybe be obvious to you, but to get wisdom from God, you have to spend time with God. Someone needed to hear that today. I was supposed to pause right here with that. In order to get wisdom from God, you are going to have to spend time with God. I'm going to set this up too. You are a triune being. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. You're a body, our hands, our eyes, you're a body. Most people don't understand the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your soul is what I, my mind, what I think. My will is what I want, what I, what I desire. And my emotions is what I feel, what I think, what I want, what I feel. That's my soul. 
And God's given us a body, a soul, and a spirit. We're a trying being. Where most Christians make the mistake in their decision-making process is that you make all your decisions at the soul level and not at the spirit level. And so you make, you're making decisions on what you think, what you want, and what you feel. And God has very clearly given you a spirit to communicate with God. And see, most of us make quick, quick decisions at the soul level, but God is spirit. And so one of the Bible repeatedly tells us that this, his spirit is constantly trying to talk with our spirit. Spirit talks to spirit. And so if you ever see in the Bible, capital S spirit, that's referring to the spirit of God. But if you ever see lowercase s spirit, that's referring to your spirit. And so God is always, he wants to talk to you in his spirit. That's what he's trying to do. We don't listen because we're listening at a soul level. And so I could give you a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to give you one to show you an example of how he wants to talk to us at the spirit level. John 4, 24 says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. For God is capital S spirit. And if you're going to worship God, you got to worship him in spirit, lowercase s. So this is where we even make the mistake sometimes in our worship is that we come in and we just kind of look at words and we're just like, God, you know, I love you. No, you worship in your spirit, in your spirit and in truth. And so God wants to speak to you at the spirit level. So you have to move past the soul level of decision-making to get to the spirit level of decision-making. I want to give you two ways that you can get to the spiritual, like, like get spiritual wisdom from God. The first is you got to learn how to read God's word. That's how he speaks to us. Read God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul, spirit, and joints and marrow. Do you see the body, soul, and spirit? The word of God pierces body, soul, and spirit. The word of God pierces the soul, the spirit, joints, and marrow. That's the body. And then check it out. He says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He's a discerner of your soul, your thoughts, your mind, your intents, your will, your heart, your spirit. Like that verse is so powerful and y'all act like you've never, like that's amazing. And this is what he's saying. Like you gotta read the word. If you read the word of God, instead of you saying, this is what I want, think and feel, you will see what God wants, what God thinks and what God feels. So I'm going to ask you, are you feeding your soul or your spirit with what you're watching and what you're reading? And I'm a movie guy, y'all. Like, I love Cinemark. I love their popcorn. I'm going to tell you the secret. Get the, go halfway on the popcorn. Go put the butter on it. Bring it back, and they'll fill it up all the way to the top. Put the butter on the top. That's not enough for my boys. They use the straw method. Y'all ever use a straw? Are we in church? I'm acting like, okay, anyway. I'm just saying I like butter, and I like it on my popcorn. And this is where I struggle sometimes because I have to question, what am I feeding? Because I like going to movies, and I like watching TV, right? And, I, and, and this is where I struggle, but the Holy Spirit is constantly telling me, what are you feeding? Because you have a body and a soul and a spirit, and one's always trying to be the alpha dog. And are you letting your spirit be the alpha dog? Or are you letting and feeding your soul and your body? And I think it's so important we understand this. 
And so you have to quit starving your spirit. And the more I get into God's word, he gives me wisdom for daily decisions. And so my soul will say, you need to give your wife a piece of her, your, your mind. You need to show her who's boss. By the way, she's always boss. <laughs> but when my soul, my spirit is reading the word of God, when I'm spending time in God's word, my spirit will say, you need to lay down your life for your wife and turn the other cheek. See how simple, it's decision. I can make daily decisions by spending time in God's word. And just like our body, we feed our body with food. We feed our spirit with the word of God. And just like our body, we, we exercise our body by working out. We exercise our spirit. Here's the second thing, by seeking God in prayer. You want spiritual wisdom from God, you have to learn how to, to, to pray. You gotta learn how to seek him in prayer. Most people don't understand fully how prayer works. Prayer was always meant to be a two-way conversation. It's not meant to be a one-sided conversation where we just bring to God our problems and our issues and our, our big things. Yet, here's the, what I've learned. God already knows it. And I'm not saying you, couldn't, you can't ask for God to help you with those things. I'm just telling you, prayer is meant to be a conversation where you communicate with God and you actually listen for the Spirit of God to speak into your life. And what I have learned now, I'm 44 years old, and I know I look like I'm under 30. <laughs> Why y'all laugh when I say that? I need y'all to go, oh, you're right. No, you look, yeah, yeah, you look like you're about 23, okay. But I'm just saying in 44 years, you know what I've learned? And I'm, I'm being real serious with this. I wanna learn how to hear God speak to me. I can't think of anything more valuable. I just can't. I literally, sometimes when we think about what we're actually doing, you know what you're doing right here, right now? You are worshiping the God of the universe, like the God that wrote this thing, the God that's created all of this. Like, is this not a story that we need to teach our kids and we're coming to church? No, you are listening. The God that did all this, the God that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sins, he actually, he wants to talk to you. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. He actually wants to communicate with you. And I want to learn how to hear God's voice. And I'm stating the obvious that spending time with God takes time. It like takes time. And we want to hurry God. What I found out is the devil is always busy. Your enemy is always busy. God is not busy. He stands outside of time. He is not busy. If you want to know what God's pace is, God's pace is peace. God's pace is always peace. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been talking to God and God will tell me, I will slow down. I will not. You will slow down because I will not speed up. And when you slow down, then I will speed up. But God's pace is peace. We want a fast food God. And God is not a fast food God. And I've learned I have to slow down to hear God because he speaks, and the Bible says, in a still small voice. Y'all know the story of Elijah when he was running from Jezebel and he gets to the cave 
He's been running for three years. He's tired, and, he, and God sends an earthquake, but he can't hear God in the earthquake, and God sends the wind, and he doesn't hear God in the wind, and God sends the fire, and he doesn't hear God in the fire. But when he slows down long enough, the Bible says that God speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice, and he says, what are you doing here? It's like Elijah heard him. God, I hear you. He wants to speak to you. And as I'm studying this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, when you get to heaven, you're going to be amazed about a lot of things. But one of the things you're going to be most amazed about is how much I was speaking to you and how little you heard. I want you to know he wants to speak to you. But my soul worries. My soul feels pressure. My soul is impulsive. And so we make decisions at the soul level. But you have to learn how to ask God for wisdom. You got to spend time in his word. You got to spend time praying and you got to learn how to wait on God. And the second thing, how you, how you include God in your decision-making process is you need to learn how to walk with the wise. You need to walk with the wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. I love what Thalissa told me. It's Pastor Stephen Nutt's wife, Thalissa, years ago, about 20 years ago, I was in a Bible study, and she said this. She said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Some of you, you got, you got friends, and I'm, I, look, I, I, I think you need to love your friends, but who are you really hanging with? Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You hang out with some broke people, you may be broke or you're not. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that, but I, I've got some broke friends. But I'm just saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Scripture doesn't say interview them once to gather all their wisdom. No, it says you got to walk with them. You got to do life with them. You, you need to be in community with them. If you're going to walk with the wise and get wisdom from them, you have to be walking with them. And that's one of the reasons we, we talk about life groups so much here at, at Creekwood is because this is how God intended us to get wisdom. He built you to be in relationships. And as a pastor, people come with problems and in ministry all the time, people will come to a pastor. They often don't come to them to celebrate. They come to a pastor to talk about like their big decisions they need to make or counseling issues. And just, you see a lot of big problems. And one of the first things that I say to someone who comes up to me is, who are you doing life with? Who are you in community with? And more often than not, the answer I get is, I got nobody. And I, I feel terrible for them because I'm literally like, see, it's, it's not if, it's when you have a problem because we're all gonna have problems. And if you did not intentionally get into relationships back here, and you did not intentionally learn how to walk with the wise right here when it was all good in the hood, like serious, then what happens is when you're going through something, it becomes very difficult because you do not have your infrastructure of people that God wants you to have. And so my heart goes out to those who say, I'm too busy. I'm like, there's just some things as a parent I gotta make time for. 
There's some things I have to learn how to make time for. I'm going to go to my son's tennis match. I'm going to go to my other son's football game. Like that, I got to make time for this. I'm telling you, I'm too busy. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You gotta make time for this. You gotta make time to intentionally be in relationships. And not everyone in the church needs to know your junk, but someone does. Someone needs to know what's going on in your life. Because if you walk with the wise, you become wise. And I was in my life group that I attend this last Wednesday, and someone made a statement that just kind of blew me away. She said, if it wasn't for, and she pointed at every single person in that room, if it wasn't for every single one of you, this season would be super difficult. But you, each one of you has been so pivotal in, in my life. And I'm just, I was thinking, that's life group. That's the definition of walking with the wise. Like, that's what we need in our lives. So my question is, who are you walking with? Who are you doing life with? And we moved to help start Creekwood Church now almost 16 years ago. That was a big decision. Talk about big decisions. And I'll never forget the day when my wife, called Pastor Stephen Nutt. See, Pastor Stephen was a youth pastor in Houston, Texas at a church called First Assembly of God in Humble, Texas. And he was a youth pastor back there. There were three guys that, that started Creekwood. It was Pastor Stephen, myself, and a guy named Keith Henderson. Many of you know Pastor Keith. He was our worship director for years. He, he has moved to be a, a missionary, dorm parent to missionary kids in Malaysia. But when he, we were all three at this church in Humble, Texas, and I'll never forget it. Pastor Keith left to go be a, a missionary, and when he did, when we were all in Humble, he wrote Stephen a letter, and he said, if you ever plan a church, you let me know, because I will move my family back into the States, and we'll start a church. And I'll never forget this, because my, my wife's an interior decorator, and she got a job offer in the DFW area. We were all in Humble, Houston area, and she got this job offer up, up here in this area, and they laid it on the table, and they were like, this is the offer, and I told Elise, I said, I, I think we got to take this, and I hate it because I don't want to leave our church, and I don't want to leave our community. We have our best friends here. Pastor Stephen and Delissa are some of our best friends, and I don't want to leave, and, but I think we're supposed to do this, and I said, call Stephen. I want you to ask him to pray for us. I want, I, want to, I want you to ask him to pray for us. And I remember to this day, Pastor Stephen was on the phone with Keith Henderson in Malaysia, an international phone call, telling him, I am planning a church in a city called Mansfield, and I need you to pack your bags and move back. When Elise called Stephen, immediately on that day, in that moment, in that second, Elise called Stephen to the point where Stephen was mad. You interrupted my international phone call. What do you want? And Elise said, well, we just wanted to let you know we're probably going to be moving to Dallas. And we hate it because we don't want to mess up our friendship and all this stuff. And Elise is telling him, and he said, you're not going to believe this. I am on the phone with Keith, who is in Malaysia right now. And I'm telling him I'm planning a church in a city called Mansfield. And Elise said, oh, my word. And he said, what's Brad going to do? And Elisa, I don't know. He's going to have to find a job. And he said, well, would he like to be a pastor in a city called Mansfield with a church with no name yet? And, I, and Elise goes, hey, Brad, you want to be a pastor? 
And I, this is kind of how it started. And I was like, no way. Okay, And that's how it all really started. And it's crazy. And I tell you that because that decision was in a moment. It was a, it was, a, I gotta go. It was a good idea because the money was pretty decent and I could go get a job and it was going to be all good, but we were going to lose some friends. But in that moment, it was a can't not. It was, I gotta go. It wasn't this perfect. Yes, it was a can't not. I got to go. And, and so we, 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 were, we were literally like trying to make the decision. And in that moment, we knew, but the truth of the matter is that decision happened in a moment, but it was because of a forging of a relationship that we had been walking with the wise for years and years and years. Who are you walking with? You got to learn how to walk with the wise. And the last thing, if you want to, Learn how to include God in the decision-making process of your life. When you're seeking God's wisdom through prayer and reading his word, and you're walking with the wise, you have to have the faith to take a step. Because my experience is that God never gives you all the details. The emerging generation, this new generation that's coming up right now, um, these punks. I'm just kidding. They're not punks. Okay. Um, I, I saw a mom literally slap the, the kid next to her. Like, it's you. He's talking about you. Okay. You punk. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but literally what this generation is known as the generation that's the most indecisive generation ever. And it's for two reasons. One reason is that they have so many options. Do you know when I grew up, we had seven channels at my house? Do you know right now my kids have unlimited channels and Netflix? Y'all know what Netflix, like you can spend an hour on Netflix, get frustrated and not watch anything because there's so many options. They have unlimited options. The second reason they are undecisive and they cannot make a decision is because of the illusion of perfection. Every time you get on social media, no one puts their junk. They put their perfection on display. The perfect body, check out the meal that I had. I mean, y'all aren't having steak. I mean, like this is how we do it. It's all about perfection. When we get on social media and we compare someone's highlight reel to our behind the scenes and we feel like our life is junk. And so why would, why would I want to make a decision that's not perfect? Because then I can't match up. Then I can't, I can't be who you are. I, and so we want to keep up with the Joneses and we want to be exactly like our friends and we want to be exactly like our neighbors. And we're like, I got to make the perfect decision. And so what, what you find out is they don't make decisions. It's very difficult. But no decision is worse sometimes than making an imperfect decision. Sometimes you got to learn how to take a step. And we say, God, what, what do you want me to do? God, if you'll just show me what to do, I promise you I'll do it. God, if you just give me all the details, I will show you that I will, I'm, I'll be faithful to you. God, what are the details? How many of you are detail people? About half of us are weird, yeah. I need to know the details. But what I found out is that God is not your magic crystal ball. He is not your magic crystal ball out into the future. How God works, he will guide you step by step by step by step. If God told you everything, you would not be willing to take the first step. 
I'm telling you right now, if God had told me I was going to be a pastor 25 years ago, there is no way when I was at business school at Texas A&M, there is no way I would have, I would have even taken the next step. There's no way because I had a bigger plan. I had a greater plan and it was not to become a pastor. But what I have found out is God's ways are higher. And Isaiah 55, 9 says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, you can't handle what he has for you. You literally can't. I, I, I know that's a statement that you're just like, whatever, Brad, okay. You can't handle what God has for your life if he were to tell you everything. You would, it would freeze you up. And so what God does is he gives you just enough light for the next step. That's why Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word, I'm just telling you, God gives you just enough light to be able to take a step. It's just enough light to give you enough light for the, the path in front of you. It is not a spotlight into the future. And so you have to learn how to take a step. I'm just telling you, you don't have to have the faith to finish, but you have to have the faith to start. You have some of you right now, you need to have the faith to just start. Remember, we were starting Creekwood Church. It was literally like, we were so dumb. Okay, I don't know how else to say it. Like Pastor Stephen talks about it all the time. We, we did not know what we were doing. All we knew was we were spending time in God's word and we were, we were trying to get as much wisdom from him. We were seeking counsel with the wise. Like we were doing all these things. And once you're do th doing that and there's no moral imperative, okay? I'm not saying, you know what? I'm seeking counsel with the wise. I think I'm gonna rob the bank. Okay, no, no, that's a moral imperative, right? Like, like no, but when you're doing that and you don't feel like you have the details, take a step. Take the step. And I remember when we started Creekwood, it was like we took one step from Stevens, Pastor Stevens' living room, and we took another step into Roji and Worley Middle School, and then we took another step into Mansfield High School, and we were like, is this the right thing? I don't know. And then we made another decision that was really stupid and set us back about six months. But we, we, we took a step, and what, what I've learned is we'll take three steps forward, and you'll often take two steps back. And sometimes you take six steps forward and you'll take 16 steps back and you're like, what just happened, okay? And I know what happened. We started the church wearing suit and ties, all right? That's what happened. We took 10 steps back before we began. And I'm not making fun of another church that's doing that. I'm just saying that ain't us. I really want to be in shorts right now. As short of shorts as Pastor Stephen wore on that, on that pic last week. Did y'all see that? That was a six-man basketball team. He said he was the most improved player. You know what he was so funny about that? He said, I'm the most, I'm the, I was the best and the most improved. That's not what it said. I'm still laughing. I was like, you're the sixth man of a six-man basketball team. All right, it was so funny. Anyway, I'm just saying we were, that's not us. And so we took a lot of steps forward and we took a lot of steps back. What we learned though is God gave us grace and God gave us mercy because you're going to make mistakes, but you got to take a, a step. See, most people think a successful life is made on, on a few really, really, really big decisions, but you would be wrong. A successful life, a successful spiritual life that you only got 80 on this, in this planet. 70, 80, 90, I don't know. Some of you may hit 100. I'm just saying, you don't have that long. And I'm saying, is it worth taking the step? Is it worth it? 
Because a successful life isn't a few big decisions. It's made from countless, small, faithful decisions. God says tithe. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm going to tithe. God says serve. I don't have the time. I'm going to serve. God says be faithful to my marriage. Yeah, but she's a jerk. I'm going to be faithful. I'm just saying it's small, faithful steps over time. And most of us think we're waiting on God, but the truth is I personally believe that God is often waiting on you. God's waiting on you to take a step. They didn't get into the promised land without Joshua first stepping into the river. They didn't, they didn't get into the promised land after the river when they got to Jericho until they took a step. They began to take steps around Jericho. I'm just saying sometimes you have to take a step and you say, Brad, what if I make a mistake? What if it's not perfect? What if it's not perfect? Next generation, what if it's not perfect? It's not going to be perfect. You're going to make a mistake and you're going to have to be okay with that. But what I have found out is my God is with me all along the way. You ever taught someone how to ride a bicycle? You teach them, you hold on to the back. They still got to pedal. They still got to find balance. They still got to steer. But my God is right behind me. He said, I'm not going to let you go over there. I'm just saying, this is what he, he does. And so in closing today, I wanna, I'm going to pray for you. Because I believe people have a lot of big decisions that you need to make. You need to learn how to ask God for wisdom. You need to seek God in prayer, in reading the word of God. Some of you, that's been a struggle. You have not learned how to spend time with God. Some of you need, your next step is to start walking with the wise. You need to join a life group. You need to quit hearing us talking about it, and you need to do it. You need to be intentional about your relationships. Some of you, you need to take a step of faith. You've been doing all these things, trying to make the perfect decisions. Take a step. I don't know what that looks like. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. I believe it. All week, God has said, you speak this. Some of you are online right now. And you know you need to take a step. And you haven't. God says, I can't move. My pace is peace. I will not speed up till you slow down. But when you slow down, I will speed up. And I'm going to pray for you, but this, this message was over. It was done. And I'm at the gym two days ago and I'm working out and I, the Holy Spirit says, but what are you gonna say to those people that are going, that are literally have had a mistake and they feel like they can't overcome their mistake. They've been living in a mistake. But I need you to say something to them. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but this is what you feel like. And I said, God, what do I say to him? And he said, you tell them my name my name. Go look up the Old Testament, all the names of God. One of the most powerful names of God is El Shaddai. He said, you tell them my name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, it means that he is the God, Lord God Almighty, and nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. My Bible, my Bible says Romans 8:32, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. How real is that scripture to you? Is it just for pre-mistakes or is it for post-mistakes? 
And I felt like God said, what kind of faith do you have in me? Is it just that I, I won't get you into any problems or is that when you get into a problem, I can get you out? And I was reading this scripture in Romans 8, 32, and what God highlighted for me was the word works. God works, he's working, he's working. He's working behind the scenes in your life. He's working, he's doing something in your life that you do not know right now. And as I'm reading this scripture, I had Waymaker, the song Waymaker on, just on repeat, repeat over and over and over again. And the song Waymaker, literally these are the words that come out of the song as I'm reading the scripture. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And the next song that came on after Waymaker was the song by Elevation, it's called It Is So, and it says, even my worst mistakes are miracles in the making. And I need you to know, some of you feel like you've made a mistake that you can't undo, but it is simply a miracle in the making of God. He's working behind the scenes in your life. Lord, I pray for every person in this place. I pray for peace, because your pace is peace. God, those that are trying to make impulsive decisions right now at the soul level, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would help us make decisions, God, at our spiritual level. Teach us how to, how to hear your voice, God. Teach us, God, how to communicate with you, God. I don't wanna go another day without hearing you, God. Maybe today you're in this place and you know that the decision that you have not made and you know you need to make is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you're in here today and you know you've accepted Christ, but you have not been following him and you need to recommit your life to Christ. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I wanna pray a simple prayer over your life. And if that's you, you say, Brad, would you pray for me? I wanna accept Christ, I wanna recommit my life to Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I wanna know who I'm praying for all over this place. Thank you, all over this, I'm gonna give you a second. Raise your hand, I wanna, I wanna know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you. And just pray the simple prayer in your spirit. Just say, God, I need a savior. God, I'm in need of a savior. God, I, I ask that you would come into my life and from this day forward, God, every decision that I make, God, I'm putting you in the middle of it. The Bible says, if you believe this in your heart, you confess this with your mouth, that you are saved. We're saved through faith and through no works of our own. And we're grateful for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.